Elbua Cafe is a small not-for-profit coffee shop located in Hidalgo Nuevo Leon, Mexico. It sits in view of the majestic El Potrero Chico, a world-renowned rock climbing destination. Since 2010, thousands of people have come through our doors to partake of our amazing coffee, great food, and to share in our community. Everyone has a story, and I get to share them here. I'm your host, Jan, and I present to you Tales from El Buo. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tales from El Buo. And today we have a really cool, fun, special guest. His name is Leland Sargent. And he, I've known Lee for a couple years, I guess. He's been a client of the Buo customer, one of our very frequent customers, so frequent that we're considering making a frequent customer card with Lee's face on it because he's so frequent. Um, and Lee has a really interesting story. Um, and I'm really excited to share that with you guys today. So Lee, first of all, I'm going to ask you the question. Where are you from, Lee? This is such a hard question to ask climbers. Yes. Um, so originally I am coming from New York out on Long Island, uh, but I've been living in my car all over the United States, Canada, and Mexico for the last four years now. Four years. Okay. And how old are you? Uh, now I am 29. Okay. And do you, did you go to college? What, do you have a degree? What's your like profession? Yep. So I did go to college. I got my two-year degree in accounting and did a little bit of that work. And then once I started exploring the outdoors a little bit more, I kind of found that sitting in the office and doing the nine to five wasn't exactly for me. So you did do a nine to five gig? For a tiny bit, about two years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just had a, a desire to go out and explore and be outside a lot more than I was able to do while I was working there. And that was in New York? That's back home in New York. Yep. At a local accounting firm working with my brother. Wow. Okay. So take me back to that time. You're, you decide to leave and do it. Yes. So um, about four years ago, I was working a retail job. I was working on a farm and route setting up my home gym, uh, taking little trips to go up to the gunks here and there. And um, I unfortunately had a loss in the family and that was a very difficult time for me. I tried to push through it for a little bit. Uh, I ended up continuing to work for about six months or so and found that it wasn't quite working for me. I wasn't able to uh, get through the days as easy as I would have liked to. Um, so traveling around and moving around climbing all the time was something that brought me a lot of peace during that time. So I decided that it was time for me to get on the road and get a little bit of change of scenery. Did you plan it for a long time before you actually like quit your retail job and everything? Uh, it was an idea for a long time. I think it's something that comes through a lot of climbers minds while they're like starting to get into it. They fantasize about the idea of uh, van life and all of that. So it was something that crossed my mind, but it wasn't until that had happened that it really gave me that push and that courage to go out and do it. Was the push kind of a, was it, you know, there's two ways to look at it. Were you escaping it or was it, I only have one life to live, so I'm going to do it? A little bit of both. Uh, looking back on it now, I do feel like I was maybe running away a little bit. But uh, now it seems like the best thing that I could have done for me. And uh, I know my family is very supportive. They understood why I felt I needed to go and do this. Uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to go and do this as 
tragic as a beginning as it was for me to go out in that way. Uh, it allowed me to have a beautiful life on the road for four years, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Like, did you have a lot of savings, or did you, I mean, what, how, did, how in the world did you just step out and do it? Uh, so for about two months before I was leaving, that's when the idea really popped into my head and I knew that I needed the change of environment. So that's when I started to take my savings a little bit more serious. Two months. Uh, for two months. <laughs> so in that amount of time, I was able to save up about $3,000 for a quote-unquote three-month road trip oh, that okay. I was going to go on. A three-month road trip that <laughs> and turned here we are now. Four years later. <laughs> Yeah. So what kind of car or van? Uh, I am, have been living in a 2015 Subaru Forester. Oh, tell me how you've got it outfitted. Uh, so the first two years or so, I didn't have really anything in there. I had my clothes in a duffel bag. I had a foam mattress laying on my back seats that were folded down and uh, a camp stove sitting in the back. And I'd pull that all out when I wanted to cook and sit on the ground and cook my breakfast, make my coffee. And then after a little bit of doing that, I kind of felt like I was going to be doing this for a bit longer and I needed to expand that a little bit and make myself a little more comfortable in the car. So now I have a platform in the back with tons of storage, uh, whole gear bin, all my clothes, tons of luxury items as far as living in a car go, luxury <laughs> items anyway. What's um, a luxury item? Uh, so this year, one of the things that I did since I was so good with my money and I paid off my debt and everything in my car, I went and got myself a projector and I thought that that was incredible. I spent a little bit of money on that and that was my little gift to myself this year. So and where do you, pro you project movies? Yep. Project movies. I, I like watching movies a lot and I love sharing that with all my friends. So I got a little setup so that we can do that. Got a little canvas tarp that I can hang on the side of my car that is and great. a big speaker for it. So I can, uh, so I can host movie nights for me and all my friends while we're out living on BLM land. That is so great. Yeah. It's been a really, really fun thing to have. What is BLM? Uh, Bureau of Land Management. Okay. Which is something that we did not have on the East coast. I had to pay for camping everywhere. And then when I finally came out to the West coast for the first time and saw BLM land and it was just this free land for everyone to go and use I was just amazed that that was a thing so yeah now on the west coast it, it seems silly to pay for camping anywhere because now we have BLM land everywhere um, and I'm yeah I'll just go and do that with all my friends out there so when you left New York or when you left home were you living at home or were you living in an apartment or what was um, your situation? Yeah, so when I left home, I was 25 years old and I was still living at home that time. I was trying to just save as much money as I could and just be financially responsible. Uh, I wasn't doing my best with that, especially living at home. It's like, well, I can go out to eat it whenever I want. I can go out and hang out with my friends and all that. So I was kind of going through money a little quicker than I should have been, but uh I was living at home at the time and then kind of moved into my car partway while I was still at home mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for going on the road trip. And you left and you went where? Where was your first stop? When I first left, my first stop was in the Northeast. I spent a lot of time climbing in the gunks in upstate New York. Well, upstate from Long Island anyway. Mm -hmm. That's where I spent my first five years mostly climbing. Uh, so that was my first stop. I stayed there for about a month. Uh, went up to the Northeast to New Hampshire and to Maine to visit some family before I left left. Then worked my way south down to West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee. How did you feel? Were you were you scared to spend money? 
a little bit. So like I had mentioned at first, it was supposed to be a three month road trip. So I figured, okay, $1,000 a month, that's reasonable. And I was very surprised to see how quick that money went. I was doing a little bit of hostels every once in a while. I had a friend who lived in uh, Asheville in North Carolina and she allowed me to stay at the hostel there for a while and I ended up getting stuck there for a little bit and going through money a little too quickly there. Uh, and then I started to have to think about the next step and I needed to find a job to get again. That's a question I have for a lot of people that live nomadic like you. You know, you run, you start to see you're running out of money. What kind of things go through your mind as far as uh, jobs? You know, I've heard all kinds of options. So for, so for you, what kind of, did you start to panic or did you just say, I'm going to do whatever? Yeah, so I kind of just go and do whatever I can, whatever work I can find. I'm super happy and content doing that. I understood that I wasn't going to be getting uh, well-paying jobs with health insurance and all mm -hmm. the benefits and everything. I understood I was going to be working minimum wage jobs for a little bit. The first job that I had gotten when I really got on the road was at Miguel's Climbing and Pizza Shop uh, in Kentucky, the Red River Gorge. Okay. And that was the first real stop for me once I had kind of started that road trip uh, after I was settled down. Did that bring you life? Like working, even though, you know, it was working minimum wage in a climbing area. And did that bring you life compared to working in an office? Oh, absolutely. It's so fun working just with people that I really enjoy. Uh, we got to just hang out all the time and talk about climbing, go out and rock climb all the time. And when you're in the shop there, just slinging pizza, making <laughs> sauce, and just getting to connect with everyone that comes through there. Uh, it's really enjoyable working at a place like that that's such a central hub for the entire community down there. You know, now that's your first job. How many months in are you at this point? Three, so four? So that was... I had stopped there and ended my quote-unquote three-month road trip there, went back home for a month or so, uh -huh. and then got back on the road. And that's when I went back down to Kentucky and decided I wanted to spend time there. And that was around September of 2016. And I stayed there until almost December of that year, and then went back in February and stayed there again until the next September. So okay. I did about two seasons there oh wow i didn't realize that everybody that goes through the red probably has seen you at miguel's singing pizza yep or, from 16 to 17 you probably saw me i probably helped you out with your camping or delivered a pizza to you and stopped and said hello and asked you about your day yeah so if you guys remember a smiley nice brown-eyed man coming through i mean that's you're always smiling i love I that about best. you and just really good vibes you probably met leland after Kentucky, you know, now you're a year to a year and a half in to your travels. When did you start to decide to go out west or when did you decide to go out west? Uh, well, I, obviously, I've always heard wonderful things about going out west and uh, I've been on the East Coast my whole life. Until I was 22, I barely left Long Island. Mm -hmm. uh, I went down to Florida to Disney World with my family when I was a little kid. I'd go up to Maine to visit family here and there, but I never really explored that much. So... Uh, finally getting a chance to leave the East Coast and explore a little bit more was definitely just very interesting to me. Um, so after I spent a bit of time at Miguel's and being in West Virginia and New York and New Hampshire, those were most of the major climbing destinations anyway for the East Coast. Right. So at that point, it was kind of time to move on and get to a new area and uh, start to explore a little bit more and meet all the faces on the West Coast that I would meet here down in Petrero and 
you know, this is kind of like the melting pot from the East Coast to the West Coast. A lot of people on the East Coast really stay over there. A lot of people on the West Coast stay over there, but we all meet together here in Potrero. That's true. That's true. So when was your first time that you came to Mexico? My first year in Mexico was 2018 to 19, so that winter. And how long did you stay? That was about a one-month trip, and I flew in down here knowing one or two people that were down here that were friends and heard of a couple other that were acquaintances that were going to be down here decided to just risk it and buy the plane ticket and get my passport the first time i had ever done that and uh decided to just go for it and i'm so happy i did i found a home down here yeah you did so you flew the first time you didn't live in your car i did not live in my car at that point i was at home working for about three months and I took a month off in the middle of that to fly down here. <laughs> I love that. Working for three months and you take a month off yep. in the middle. <laughs> That's great. It's a good life. <laughs> so you came down here, never had been out of the country. I love that. You Had you ever been out like to Yosemite before that? Because I hear a bit the big wall. I mean, Potrero's got the big walls. And so what were your What was your impression when you drove up to Potrero Chico? Yeah, this was the first time that I had ever really seen mountains and big cliffs. By the time I came here that first year, I still hadn't gone out west yet at all. Oh, wow. So this was really the first time that I saw like mountains and cliffs. I mean, going to New Hampshire and seeing um, Whitehorse and uh, Cannon Ledge, that, that was something. But coming down here and seeing the cliffs in Potrero for the first time was mind blowing. And where did you stay when you came here the first time? Uh, I stay at Rancho El Sendero okay. near the canyon. Yeah, that view at Rancho El Sendero when you wake up and see that view. Oh, yeah, to just pop out of the tent and see the cliffs right there. It's just, that first morning when I woke up was absolutely incredible. It's breathtaking. It absolutely and is. And I live here, and I still, my breath is taken away every time I look at it. And yeah. So you came. And you stayed for a month and you already knew people here, I'm sure, from the Red and, you know, the people that were here. You were... Yep, I knew of a couple people, one of those being Frank Madden, who has written the guidebook for down here. Uh, I knew him in the Red River Gorge when I was living and working there for a while. So he was one of the few people that I did know that was going to be down here and reassured me that everything would be just fine coming down here as a solo traveler. Right. Yeah, that's another thing, being a solo traveler. Yes, it can be fairly worrisome at times to decide oh I'm gonna go by myself and I'm gonna need to make friends and I don't know if people are gonna want to be my friend and all this stuff that you just make up in your head and Mm -hmm. then you get down here and it's not like that at all you make friends so quickly and everyone's so inviting and welcoming and everyone wants to make everyone feel like they're part of it here yeah it's definitely a community you find you're just part of the family no matter what and immediately I'm sure you discovered that the dollar goes a lot farther here than it does in the u.s (laughs) yes it absolutely does and that's a really nice part about spending my winters down here when i'm not working Mm -hmm. being able to make that money stretch just a little bit further right and are you a vegetarian or nope okay i'm not a vegetarian or anything so it makes it a little bit easier being down here because a lot of things are have meat in them or cooked in some type of pig fat or something yeah exactly (laughs) have you ever figured out what your monthly budget has been over the last four years that you've been living out of your car have you Mm. ever it depends on how much I'm kind of making at the time. I give myself that, if I'm making a little bit more money, I give myself that luxury of being able to go out a little bit more often. I try and give myself once every two weeks to go out to eat when I'm in the States anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so that I can kind of just go out with friends and connect with them and not feel like I have to cook every single meal and save money. But 
when I'm being pretty good about my money, I'm definitely under a thousand dollars a month as far as traveling around and food. And you know that changes a little bit depending on how much I'm traveling, because um, gas is expensive. Driving from the East Coast to the West Coast was its own budget in itself. Sure. So I don't really think about that in the like expenses of everything together in like the monthly budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more of like a separate expense. But once food and camping and all of that is considered once I'm in a place, it's usually between $800 and 1000 a month. Okay. Do you have health insurance? I do not currently have health insurance, okay. which Sorry is a little ask. tricky. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, my health insurance would be $900 a month. It's expensive. When I was first leaving my job and I got Cobra, it ended up being about $450 a month. Once I ran out of money, that stopped. I, I didn't really have an option. Sorry if that's a sensitive question. No, it's okay. just, you know, looking at the reality for people that want to choose this kind of life for a while or do an adventure like you, you know, that's something to consider for people. Absolutely. What would you say has been the hardest part about living out of your car? Specifically living out of your car or just being out on the road and the transient lifestyle? Either way, whatever comes to mind. Living out of the car, it's probably trying to prioritize what things you really need and value because you have very limited space in your vehicle. Um, So finding a spot for everything in your car, deciding when you're leaving home, what am I going to sell? What am I going to leave here? What's important that I'm going to be using every day or every week? And if it's something that I'm going to use once every two months or three months, it's just not worth it to bring it in the car. I just don't have the space for it. And then being a little more transient and on the road, it's really, really nice. You meet a lot of people everywhere you go. You constantly have new friendships all the time. But at a certain point, that can be, at least for me, that was very taxing Mm -hmm. to have new all the time. Always new people, always new places. As stimulating as it is, it's very mentally draining, at least for me. Sure. Uh, And a big part of that is making the most wonderful connections that you've made in your life and them lasting for two weeks or them lasting for one month or one season in the place that you're working. And then moving on to the next spot and... Sometimes you hear from those people again, sometimes you don't, but you have to understand that everyone's living their life and that lifestyle, and we're all trying to be as present as we can. So if you don't hear from those people as often as you like, that's okay. We just we do our best to stay in touch. I call it that, that short-term friendship relationship thing has been very, very difficult for me in the, uh, in the transient lifestyle. You know, that's hard for me too. As a person that stays and all the people that come through when they leave, I'm like, don't go. Yeah. You know, I feel, find myself with my arm outstretched, like, please don't leave, yeah. you know. And we do our best to try and make people stay for as long as they can, though. Yeah. There have been countless people that are coming through to spots for two or three days, and then they meet the community that we have built around whatever place we're in, at Red Point in Oregon, or Miguel's in Kentucky, or El Bujo here in Petrero, and suddenly that two or three days turns into two or three weeks or two or three months yeah and it happens so quickly and it's it's funny because you can usually see the people that that's going to happen to right you can see when they get sucked in and they just don't want to (laughs) go and if they have nowhere else to be they don't have work to get back to it's really nice that they have that luxury of being able to stay and and hang out with us more was there anything that you took with you on your journey that you realized you didn't need along the way at First, I think now I've got it a little more dialed in. Every time I go back home, I kind of ditch a few items, you know, some random clothes that I thought I would need, 
or whatever. Um, but one of the big items that I found that I really didn't need that a lot of people seem to have in their cars is a cooler or a fridge. I found that most of the time I wasn't getting stuff that needed to be refrigerated. I was just getting eggs and vegetables and rice and pasta. And whenever I would go to the grocery store, I'd pick up some type of protein for that night. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to the grocery store like twice a week or so. So whenever I did go there, I'd pick up some salmon or scallops or beef or steak or something like that and have it for that night. Then I wouldn't really need to have a cooler as much and it's just one less thing to have in the car taking up space because that's a lot. And if you wanted to get a fridge, then you have to plug that in and power it. Or if you have a cooler, now you have to get ice. And now I'm worried about that leaking in my car and I need to change out the ice every day and drain the water. And that's an expense in itself too. Right, that's true. Yeah, the ice thing is its tricky. It's really annoying. I did it for a tiny bit and uh, I was over it. I can see that. Were you a good cook before you went? Oh, before I got on the road, I don't think I was that great of a cook, no. I pretty much made uh, veggie stir fry for most of my meals and grilled cheese sandwiches. I still ate like a little kid, uh, especially, you know, still being at home and motherly love she wants to cook me food and she wants to make sure i'm being well fed and everything so whenever i do go home she always wants to cook for me and everything and now that i've been in my car and i can make one pot meals all the time i feel like my cooking has improved quite a bit and it's really nice to go home and kind of share that with my mom a little bit more and show her that i can cook for myself i can take care of myself now that she's so proud (laughs) I, i like to think so i'm sure she is when you went out this summer you were out west right when COVID hit Uh, Yes. Yes, I was. Were you living on public land during that time? At that time, I was, yes. Did you get kicked off because of COVID? Luckily, we didn't have too many issues. We had the rangers come by once and just talk to us about being out there when this all happened. This was in, I think, the end of March, maybe early April, when everything was really starting to kick up with COVID. Um, And they just came by to let us know that, you know, people aren't going to be coming by to monitor the place because funding was getting cut and everything was being shut down and dispersed camping was supposed to be closed. Uh, But after talking to the ranger about our situation and there was me and two other people, we were living in our vehicles and just out on BLM and told them like, we don't really have anywhere else to go. We We don't have a house, we can't afford a house. We came here for work and now we're closed down and we're kind of tentative about going somewhere else. Like now that everything's hit, we want to just stay locked down. So we're just out in this little plot of nothing over here and minding our own business and just hanging out with each other in our little, our household of, you know, three or four vehicles. Mm-hmm. And they let us stay, yeah. He just let us know that nobody would really be coming by to check on the place or anything. Just make sure that we were cleaning up after ourselves. And, you know, if we're having fires, make sure we put them out completely. And where were you? At this time, I was just outside of Smith Rock in Oregon. Okay. So about 30 minutes away from Bend, Oregon. How far to the nearest grocery store? From the place that we were camping in BLM, it's maybe a 15, 20-minute drive. So we would try and do that as a group maybe once a week and try and make a list so that one of us can go in and we can get everything that we need. And we just had family meals every single night. Every meal was a family meal with us, which was wonderful. I love doing family dinner. Sure, that was you and... That's me, my friend Kelly, who I got her to come down here for her first time this year. Uh, and another friend of ours, Ryan, who had just gotten back from Spain just before the uh, the trip. Wow. You came here in the middle of a pandemic. How did that feel? I was definitely very worried about it. I got a lot of, a lot of crap from a lot of my friends about coming down here. 
um, some of the ones that were living in homes and had the luxury of having that and not being in their vehicle for a winter in Oregon or in the Northeast or wherever. So I, in order to make sure I felt good about coming down here, because this is the number one place that I would want to be in the winter time, I reached out to a lot of people that were down here that were locals in the area that lived in Hidalgo or in Monterey. I reached out to local business owners like Mario and Leo mm -hmm. and to just check in and see how the situation was down here see how the town was feeling outside of people who were running businesses down here, like making money off of the climbers that are coming every winter. I wanted to make sure that it was going to be acceptable for me to even come down here this year. And I got positive feedback from everyone that I had talked to down here, and they made me feel welcome. They made me feel like it was going to be acceptable for us to be down here again this year. So I decided to go for it, and I was lucky that everything worked out totally fine. Yeah, thanks for thinking about all of that by the way of course i wanted to make sure that i would be welcomed here i didn't want to come to a place where people would be upset that i would be here right and i have not felt that since i've been here right and i think you've seen here they're pretty careful yes. you know about the things that they need to be careful about absolutely so i'm glad that you and other people have been able to make it down and help out the local economy and yes. it's a win-win situation for everybody yeah for sure now, your four-year traveling in your car journey is about to come to an end. And I know that the look on your face, is, it's, it's a bittersweet ending for you. I know you're probably really looking forward to this next part of your life. What made you decide it's time to go home? Uh, so about the last year or so, um, I think maybe when the pandemic hit, I was starting to feel a little bit more of a, a lot more of a desire to be closer to my family. Uh, with everything that was happening, it seemed like that was a lot more important now, more than ever, to just be closer to them. So I started to think about what I wanted to do for the following year. I wanted to finish out the year where I was. I had an obligation at, a, at Red Point Climber Supply in Smith Rock to be there for the year, so I wanted to hold up to that. And I did not want to go back to New York in the wintertime. That, right. that did not sound appealing to me at all. So one more season to wrap everything up here in Petrero seemed like the ideal thing. But yes, now I'm ready to go back. I just, I'd like to be a little bit closer to my family. I have a, a nephew, Peter, that's about eight and a half right now. So he's a really, really funny age. And he's starting to explore the outdoors a lot more and wants to go biking all the time. He wants to play outside. Great. Uh, I have a niece, Penny, who's about three and she's starting to get to a fun age where I can interact with her a lot more besides just you know putting a toy in front of her or making goofy faces or doing something to just distract her uh, I can get to that point where I can actually do things with her and enjoy having her around I'd really like for her to know her uncle Lee yeah uh, or uncle Wee, as my nephew would call me for the first <laughs> you know three or four years when he can learn to talk <laughs> Yeah, so it's she's three years old, so she barely even knows who I am at this point. Right. I think when I go home, she does kind of recognize me as gives me that look like you kind of look like my dad, but I don't really know you, so she's still a little tentative around me. That's great. What do you want to see happen to you in the next five years? That's a big question, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've planned my life for the next few months for the last four years so thinking about the next five years has been that's that's so far out it's it's hard to even say 
at this point, though, I'm ready for a little bit more stability in my life. I'm kind of ready to be in one spot for longer than six months uh, and to have some relationships that last longer than a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever. Uh, so those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to for the next couple of years. Uh, I have a job opportunity in Long Island, New York, back home, close to my family. So after the last year of thinking, oh, I really want to just be close to everyone, somewhere on the East Coast would work totally fine for me. As long as I'm within a one-day drive of home, I'll be happy with that. And then an opportunity just got dropped in my lap when I asked for it. So that's great. everything is falling into place very well for me. It's a nice wrap-up for, for the end of the trip. A question I asked you recently when we were talking about this was how is it having it's got to be really hard to have like a romantic relationship with someone when you live out of a car and you're transient so how has that been have you been able to have any kind of like girlfriend partner in this time i have been yes I was lucky enough to have one girl that stayed with me in the red for a little while and we dated for three or four months and that was absolutely wonderful but it, it was time to move on. She went off to go and do her next thing. I went off to do my next thing. Uh, so having a relationship while living in a vehicle is it's fairly tough. Yeah. Uh, it's a tight space. You're spending a lot of time together. Uh, you get to know each other very, very quickly. So that's a really nice part of it. Also, things just move very, very quickly in that time. You feel like you've had a six-month relationship happen in, in three weeks. Oh, I it bet. It just flies so quick. You get to know each other so quickly, and you're just so close all the time. You're spending a lot of time together. That is difficult. But outside of that, it's just little, little things here and there. Uh, it's just difficult when everyone's moving around so much, and no one wants to change their plans for someone that they've known for two weeks to right. go and live with them in, in this other location that they don't really want to go to, but they would, you know, right. that's a really tricky thing to, to navigate. Do you dream of having a family someday though? Absolutely. I that's absolutely great. do. I want a couple little nuggets running around. That's right. Yeah. That's a question I ask a lot of people, you know, when they are here living in their cars is, and that's usually the problem, you know, for a lot of people is, they have this dream of having a family one day and they know that a family in a car doesn't, isn't the ideal thing. It, yeah. it works for some people, but it's not what they see themselves doing in, you know, in their thirties, I guess. Yeah. And so you're about to turn 30, I guess, you know, I am, I'm almost there. So starting to get to that age where that's, uh, that's becoming a little more important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, in my younger twenties, maybe not as much. You date someone just to date someone, uh, but now at this point, almost 30 years old, I kind of date someone because I want to actually be with them and, and think of more of a long-term thing with that person. That's great. I know you'll find someone. You're awesome. Thank you. So you're going to settle down. Where will you yep. live? In an apartment, in a house? Uh, so for right now, when I leave here in a few days, I'll be traveling back up to Long Island, New York. I'm going to be staying with my mom for maybe a month or two. I have never rented an apartment before. I went from living at home to living in my car. So I do need to have stable income first and be able to prove that. So I think one or two months oh, yeah. at home with mom and with the family would be really nice. Uh, and then by that time, I'll be ready to get out and 
I'll be able to improve my income. I'll be able to get a place of my own and hopefully live out on the beach in Long Island. I didn't even think about that. Credit and things yeah. like that. Have Luckily, been I think I have pretty good credit. Sure. <laughs> but I still have no history of renting. So right. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to tell someone like, hey, like, I, I do have money. I can pay my rent. I know I haven't had a job for a while, but <laughs> I promise I can pay it. You know, that that's... That promise doesn't mean too much to someone who needs to uh, to pay their bills and right. needs to get uh, a tenant in their house. How do you feel that life is going to be different for you now? I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I've been looking forward to having a little bit more stability. Um, going back home to my local climbing gym and seeing my old friends, people I've known for years and years and years. And I really apologize if I get home and you're someone I've known for a few years and I blank on your name. I've met a lot of people over the last couple of years <laughs> and I feel absolutely terrible every single time that that happens. <laughs> so I apologize. But I think life is going to be pretty good. Uh, just being able to spend a lot more family time. Uh, I've mentioned that a hundred times now. It's, it's very important to me to be close to my family. Uh, I have not been very satisfied with myself for not being as present in, uh, in their lives recently, but this is what I needed to do for myself. So, uh, now I'm at a point where I feel ready to go back and be closer to them again and, uh, be a bigger part of my niece and nephew's lives. And my middle brother just had his first kid and she's awesome. about one years old now. So Great. looking forward to being with her as well. So I think just being around the family a lot more is going to bring me a lot of happiness. If you could go back to yourself four years ago, and tell yourself some advice, something that you wish you would have known four years ago. What do you think that would be? Uh, it's hard to say, but um, it, everything's going to work out and it'll be okay. Things are going to take a little bit longer than you would hope or expect to, to get back to a place where you're happy again. Uh, but you'll get there and you have so many loving people in your life that want to see you get better and want to be there to support you and, uh, and love you very much. Um, so just keep staying strong and, and just keep trucking along because uh, one day you're going to get back there and learn to love yourself again and be happy and fulfilled with your life again. And I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm back there now. So it feels really, really nice because sometimes it's hard to see that light at the end of the tunnel when, uh, when something big just happens like that. You know, when I met you a couple years ago, I didn't know you outside of that context, but I have seen a light come back into your eyes and that makes me really happy and I'm happy that this place has been a part of that for you really really happy to see you uh, fulfilled happy healed and I'm excited for what's coming next in your life really excited for you thank you so much Jen and I want to close this out because I think we're yeah we're about at our time here to close it I think we're at a good place here yeah. um Congratulating you first of all for all the work that you've put into yourself over these years. I know it hasn't been easy. I'm glad that maybe what was supposed to be an escape in some ways has turned into, you know, just this incredible journey for you. Would you recommend to someone going through a rough time, uh, you know, a loss of a family member or something, would you recommend this kind of journey for them? Would you recommend um, a young person trying to find themselves and figure out their life? Would you recommend this kind of thing for them? Uh, it's hard to say that this works for everyone. Um, some people definitely aren't for this lifestyle, but I know for me that change of environment, the constant new people, the excitement of making new friends all the time, 
being part of a huge community where everyone's very loving and supportive. That's exactly what I needed for myself at the time. I'm very, very grateful for that, that I did that. Um, so for some people, I think that this could be a very good thing for you to uh, just get out and take a little break from life and be a kid again. Yeah. I want to thank you so much for your time this last weekend that you're here in Mexico before you start your next adventure, which is returning to some, I mean, I don't want to say stable life because you've had a stable life. You just haven't had a stable place to live, Mm -hmm. you know, but returning to some different routine in a different place and going home. I'm very excited for it. And thank you so much for having me here and creating this place. Uh, El Bujo is such a magical place. I love it here so much. Uh, as anyone who works here can say, I am probably the most frequent customer uh, here five days a week, <laughs> coming in for my mocha every morning like clockwork. I, when I'm in the canyon, I try and share as much as I can about the place and get people to come in here because it's a place that has brought me so much joy and happiness. And it's always such a loving and welcoming environment whenever I come in here. And I I love that this place is here. And thank you so much for creating this. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Well, I love you. I wish you the best. And I'm excited to just keep in touch and see what happens in your life. Well, thank you so much. We'll be uh, posting this soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Tales from El Hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Jan Millsaps. The theme song is El Jarabe Tapatio, performed by Mariachi Pulido. Please take the time to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and to recommend us to friends and family. If you're interested in supporting our efforts in Mexico, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram as El Buo Cafe. Links in the show notes. I look forward to sharing more stories with you here at Tales from El Buo.